Welcome to Jay Madison's Rural America. It's a journey through the stories impacting rural economies and country lifestyles. Jay Madison's Rural America is also a production of Jefferson County Economic Development. Now here's Jay. Hey there, folks. Welcome to Jay Madison's Rural America. And I happen to be that guy, Jay Madison. Really glad that you're tuning in today to listen to the podcast. As always, I've got my special co-host, the one, the only, Mr. Ron Robbins. And he actually happens to be outstanding in his field, literally, today. He's out well, on the yeah, fire. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah we got to take advantage of the sunshine, Jay, that we have here. And uh, boy, uh, what a week we're having weather-wise. So uh, things are really moving on for all the farms in the region across the Northeast uh, you know, spring is broke, and uh, I think everybody was looking forward to it. Um, so it's always great to get uh, a window like this or in yeah. early April yeah. to uh, really get a jump on field work and get uh, get get out there and uh, make sure everything's ready to go. Well, we certainly appreciate it, and we uh, love seeing that economic development happening across the rural landscape because that's exactly what it is 1.7 billion dollars of economic impact thanks to agriculture here in the four county region now folks we've got a really special show for you today because we have our congresswoman claudia tenney here from the 24th congressional district her district, folks, literally goes from Orleans to Orleans. It starts up in northern Jefferson County, stretches down along the southern shore of Lake Ontario, all the way over to Orleans County out near Buffalo. So that is a huge district. But, Congresswoman, uh, you you say, a, I, I love what you how you reference the district and its importance as far as agriculture. And first of all, welcome to the podcast. Uh, but tell us about your district. It, it's an absolutely fantastic district. Well, thank you so much, Jay, for having me on and for having uh, this great Ron Robbins on. It was so nice <laughs> to have one of our Farm Bill, listening, Farm Bill listening sessions at his his farm and his beautiful facility that he's, he's really uh, taken uh, agriculture, agritourism to another level. I mean, it's a great destination for just about anything you might want to do. So oh my, uh, thanks yes. again to you and your yeah. terrific family for hosting us. It was another great event. Uh, but yeah, uh, so the 24th congressional district, uh, we'll see how long it lasts, uh, is uh, was formed uh, last year out of the redistricting process, which happens every 10 years in New York. And this district is, is unique in that it is the number one agricultural district in the Northeast in terms of output. And it's also the number one dairy district. I found out a few other fun facts inside the district. Uh, the uh, Wayne County, which uh, I just went to celebrate their bicentennial, another mm-hmm. great farming community. Wayne County is the number three apple producing county in the entire nation. Oh, wow. And Wyoming County is the number one milk producer in the state, but a lot of the other uh, counties are also on, in on the milk uh, issue because obviously as the top uh, dairy producer, dairy is a huge issue for this district and, and agriculture altogether. And, and really, I think a lot of people don't think of New York State as being such a, a, a large ag producer, but we have abundant water, as you described my district. Some people call it the Lake District right. because it does circle Lake Ontario and it, it, it has almost all of Oneida Lake and 
uh, all of the Finger Lakes and on all the way out actually to Lockport. It even goes a little bit beyond Orleans. Uh, so it's like the Lockport, New Fane line all the way over. But it's it's a massive district, 12 counties. But it has ag in common, which is a great uh, great for me. My, my last district that I represented was also an ag district, but not on the level this one is. And, uh, and a lot of the ag in, the, in my uh, former district uh, is actually kind of faded off. And actually, right down the street from where our family business was started, because my, my relatives, uh, including my grandfather, decided not to do farming like everyone else and decided to start a business. But our business is right down the street from Chobani Yogurt, which was kind of famous during the times sure. uh, when we were trying to really advance, uh, you know, make us the, the dairy or the, the yogurt state. And so Chobani's there. Some of their operations moved to Idaho. But uh, a lot of my relatives involved in farming, originally dairy, but most have moved to beef crops. And now uh, they're getting a little old, and uh, but many of them are just leasing out their land. So uh, I have a background in, in agriculture. I actually chose the horse route, so I used to show horses. Nice. Uh, but that's, uh, that's a long time ago. But this, what, I, what we're trying to do is because this district is so critically important, to New York agriculture and also to our uh, U.S. economy because we can trade with Canada and that's another issue that was brought up. Uh, we can trade with Canada. We can trade overseas with the products that we produce in New York with our great soil conditions, our abundant clean water, which is something they don't have in the Southwest. And you know we make the most of a short growing season. So yeah. we have tremendous workforce. We have tremendous farmers. People are dedicated. Uh, not just to the to agriculture and, and feeding our families, feeding our communities, but they're also dedicated to our environment. And that's something that I guess uh, that, that gets lost sometimes in people in Albany and Washington is how important our farmers are to our sustainability. So that's one of the reasons I decided to, you know, really find out more about this new district. It's new for me. Most of the district is new for me. I represented Oswego County in one form or another since 2003 you know, either as a, you know, a staffer uh, and or as a representative or as a member of the state assembly and also as, as a member of Congress. So uh, the rest of the district, though, we, we wanted to hear from our farmers. A lot of new things have happened uh, with the changes in New York state government, changes in the federal government and wanted to hear what's going to happen because this year is a farm bill year. So every five years, the U.S. Congress comes out with a farm bill mostly addressing, uh, you know, the, the security and the SNAP needs, but also dealing with issues uh, relating to everything, whether it's farm research, uh, the dairy industry, cotton, crops, uh, ethanol, you name it. There's a lot in that farm bill that's going to be important to our agricultural uh, businesses in upstate New York. So I went around and we went to the different regions. We actually did four, technically four listening tours. Uh, and uh, and just to hear what everyone had to say. And I have to tell you, I was so uh, pleased with the turnout. We had people from yeah. all across this, all across the district. And we also had people from so many different sectors. There were uh, the people that are involved in wineries, in, uh, in craft breweries, in crops, in dairy, in maple production and agro-tourism. I mean, just so many topics that we hit. And we also had uh, contributions from numerous government officials uh, local uh, farm bureaus and, and farm bureau representatives. It was terrific. So a yeah. lot of great feedback. And uh, we'd, let's just, I, I don't know if you want me to just dive in. No, no, no. Uh, I, I was actually just going to uh, chime in that uh, I thought I attended the uh, session down in Oswego County and uh, that was great. That's my, my, you know, native soil, if you will. Uh, that's where I'm originally from. And then you came to Jefferson County, 
uh, to have a more of a little bit of a intimate discussion type session with uh, folks representing agriculture. And I think that's just fantastic that you've done that. And like you said, the the district you have along the southern shore of Lake Ontario, eastern and southern shore of Lake Ontario is a very diverse uh, district when it comes to agriculture. So I'm sure that you had uh, a lot of information come at you. I, I was going to ask, what what were some of the biggest takeaways that you that you heard from folks, especially in regards to the farm bill? What were some of the things that really stood out to you that you received? Yeah, well, thank you first. And I also want to just thank all of my partners in government. I had assembly members and senators participate. And some people, some of them were saying, geez, thanks for inviting me. We don't usually get invited to these, but if we don't, and not to mention local government, if we don't all work together right now, we need our local players, our state players, we need farm, we need everyone and all hands on deck because we do have some issues facing us that could be uh, detrimental to our our agriculture business. So uh, the big takeaway, uh, obviously on the, one of the big topics was, was dealing with the dairy margin program. And uh, I think I can, that was, wasn't controversial really in any way. I think that every farmer pretty much agreed uh, on on where we should go with that. And I think they, they were talking about, you know, moving our, you know, 5 million pound limit uh, for tier one up to 10 million. And I didn't think to see a lot of controversy on that. Uh, and increasing the coverage level from 950 to $10. That was almost universal. So those were not controversial at all. Yeah. Uh, also not controversial among the farmers, but I think it's going to be an issue, and you alluded to it, is the how we deal with the farm labor issue. And there's a number right. of tiers to this. First of all, there's I was a supporter of the Farm Worker Modernization Act. Now, there's been a number of uh, versions of that. There was a Republican version that I was part of with Elise Stefanik in my first term. Uh, there was a Democratic version that I was a part of, though I don't think it was as good a bill. And I think we can do a better bill this year to deal with the the, the issue of foreign labor, of H2B, uh, H2A visas, and allowing um, some security for our farmers, allowing making sure that we're protecting our communities, and making sure that we have good labor that can produce more goods that we need. We need to have prosperity. We need growth, especially in our farm industry, and we have room to grow. So that was a big issue that I think a lot of people uh, were concerned about is how we're going to handle this issue. And it's been batted around politically for so long. Oh, way too long. Way too long. Yeah. No, we we appreciate that. Ron, did you want to uh, chime in on the the dairy margin coverage? uh, uh, Yeah, yeah, certainly, you know, that's something that, that you know, I think all of us in the dairy industry have been advocating for to make those changes. You know, the five million pound really, you know, as farms, farms need to be progressive. They need to look at increased production year over year. They need to find ways to, you know, make their cows more efficient, make their farms more efficient. And uh, I think it just makes sense. Then on the going to 950 to $10, I mean, we've seen feed costs go way, way up overhead costs going up. So, uh, you know, that margin over feed cost where, you know, $8 margin over feed cost used to be somewhat sufficient. Uh, you know, now if somebody says you have a $10 margin over feed cost, way well, that that's really just basically, you know, breaking even. So, um, you know, I think those all make sense on the labor side. Um, you know, it's certainly interesting. Uh, you know, one comment I'll make there is that, you know, we've all, like you said, we've all worked on this labor issue for a long, long time. 
and get have been very frustrated by it. But, you know, I think COVID really, you know, magnified a problem that maybe had been coming at us quietly in the fact that, you know, the generational shifts, we had the baby boomer generation retiring. There was a lot of people, um, you know, back then people had a lot of kids, uh, you know, there was just a lot of people in the workforce. COVID came around, uh, you know, we're bringing a, a younger generation in that, you know, let's face it, doesn't fully participate in the workforce. Uh, you know, there, there wasn't a lot of them. People didn't have many kids. Uh, for that generation. And then, you know, the participation rate hasn't been great. And we're seeing all those boomers retire. So, and then we saw a lot of females leave the workforce. So this immigration thing, my point is this immigration thing really is vital. If we're going to grow agriculture, if we're going to grow business in general and grow our economies, we need a stable workforce. Yeah, well, I agree. And, and, you know, there's so many things that you, you said in there, Ron, and, and I'll just I'll just give you, you know, there's interesting data out there. So we have a lower labor force participation rate, and that's a that's an issue that uh, is a problem. And I, I had a little uh, tete-a-tete with uh, Janet Yellen, who's our Treasury Secretary, who is, uh, was discussing, oh, well, you know, all, as you just pointed out, some of the baby boomers are retiring. And they are, but actually it's interesting. The baby boomers are actually going back to work and yeah. uh, because they need the extra pay because of inflation, because of... Uh, you know, the, the problems that we're seeing with the cost of, of energy and, and issues where they can't even maintain their homes. They're making decisions about whether they have to heat their home or, or drive their car. And these are real these are real issues in upstate New York, especially, you know, with some of the high cost of living, the high labor rates. We haven't even gotten to that aspect of the labor. <laughs> but I'll tell you another interesting fact, Ron, is out there that one of the interesting uh, issues is that on the labor force participation rate, Young men ages 18 to 25 are working less now than they did decades ago. So what does that tell you? That tells you that people who are young in their prime working years are not working and they're getting some kind of disincentive to get out and work. And so that's what that's the crisis we face. And as all employers, not just farmers, need people to get to work. And one of the big uh, issues that's going to be in this farm bill is the SNAP program. And I will just, I'll just tell you a little anecdotal story. Sure. Is back when I was in my first term, uh, we uh, we actually lowered uh, uh, the labor force petition rate. We had the highest uh, labor uh, among all demographics, whether it was women, people of color, uh, Hispanics. Everybody was working more. And, and it was really great for our economy. We saw, saw this big growth. We saw tax incentives for people, a lot of uh, you know incentives to get to work. And the SNAP program numbers actually went down. So I had some people that were protesting my office. They brought a homeless person to my office and said that, oh, well, you know, you're cutting the SNAP program. And I said, actually, we didn't cut the SNAP program. What happened was there were less people eligible. People were working. Because they went to work. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, Imagine. It was, this is the this is the kind of like, I mean, these, these should not be so-called traditional values or old values, but I will say, you know, a lot of these people that want to come to America and I am so supportive of, of us. And you keep hearing this. Well, we're all a nation of immigrants. Of course, my grandparents landed on Ellis Island and uh, they didn't have, we didn't have welfare. We didn't have 
uh, heap. We didn't have SNAP. We didn't have any of those things. And their immediate interest was to get right to work. And my father was one of nine and they all went to work in a factory or a farm or wherever they could get a job. Uh, and now we have, you know, we have better labor protections. We have better uh, laws, but we also have opportunities and people aren't filling these jobs, which is what we need them. We'd love to have them produce on the farm. And we have a lot of people who would be grateful to be Americans or even just legals legal residents in this country to be able to work, to participate, to provide for their families. And that's all we're asking with this Farm Worker Modernization Act. We're not talking about illegal immigrants and drug uh, and drug trafficking and human trafficking cartels at our border that are harming Americans, hurting our taxpayers. We're talking about people who have connections in the United States, would like to work here, would like to be on a visa program, or even have a chance to, to be able to make money, which is gonna help our farms, which is gonna grow our industry, which is, and that's my common sense look at it as I look at it as an employer, as someone who really understands that we need to produce and we need to prosper and we need to grow because that's the only way we're gonna get out of our fiscal woes. And so this bill is gonna be really, I mean, we can certainly make it better. We can certainly do things uh, to make sure the farmers are secure and safe, which is my concern, making sure our communities are safe, but also making sure we get the growth we need to deal with our fiscal crises. We're coming up on a debt ceiling. We have huge wage, uh, potentially wages coming in New York State. We have higher costs. We have uh, unionization of labor workers coming for New York State. We have a minute, you know, a, the minimum uh, work uh, day, work week is now going to be 40 hours. Uh, so you're going to have a problem with overtime and farmers being able to meet those costs when across the border in Pennsylvania, they're still using the state minimum wage. Right. Yeah. 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 It's just crazy. Some of the things that are happening and that are, are facing our farms on our ag businesses here uh, in the United States and here in New York state. And, and, and we really appreciate what you're talking about Congresswoman with immigration reform, because we want to bring people out of darkness, give them the opportunity to be here legally, working on our farms, getting paid good wages, and help us produce the food and the, the fiber that we need here in this nation. So that is very important. And I, I want to quickly shift us um, to uh, talking about uh, USDA and meat processing, because that was one thing that was uh, talked about at our meeting here in Jefferson County with you, and it's it's a critical issue. And we're this isn't just you know uh, talking about uh, you know uh, economic development. This is talking about food security for this nation. We do not have adequate uh, uh, meat processing capabilities here in the United States. And if we get into another uh, pandemic or war breaks out, um, we have to be able to feed our people here in our communities. And so uh, we talked about that at the, uh, at the meeting about USDA meat processing capacity and that we need to increase that capacity. What were some of the takeaways that you had, Congresswoman, for, for yeah. that? Thank you. And that was a great, great uh, participation uh, on some key players. Uh, you know, Steve Winkler on processing, talking about his challenges. Uh, we also had a, a woman who's running a, a processing. Courtney Shemmerhorn. Yeah, Courtney. Uh, I, I didn't know what her last name was. Yeah, Courtney Shemmerhorn. Talking about just the challenges and trying to get USDA uh, certifications and people through the process and how complicated it is and not having enough 
uh, you know, really, you know, kind of streamlining the process and the fact that we are, you know, going through really sometimes uh, really inhumane conditions for for the animals because they sit and wait. Uh, there's no one there to to process, or we can't get the food processed, or we have have shipped them for many miles to go to other places. So, a lot of really good points brought up. I thought was really interesting and in talking about potentially citing something a local processing facility. Uh, where we could get the USDA on board to help us get, uh, you know, get processors in. So I thought that was a great discussion. And also, again, you're talking about food security. Uh, we have so many, my, un my uncle, or actually technically he was my cousin, but I always called him my uncle, but um, he's my mother's uh, cousin. Uh, he was the head of the Beef Council for many years in New York. And uh, these, are, these are not new problems, uh, but they are worse now because of the problems with USDA and their really uh, lack of staffing. And that's something that we're going to be bringing up uh, with the, the uh, chair of the Ag Committee, uh, G.T. Thompson, who's actually coming to Binghamton tomorrow. Um, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to get there, but I'm, I'll see I'll see G.T. next week and uh, work with him on this issue, because I think that, that this uh, meat processing issue is going to come up across the country. Sure. And, and let G.T. Yeah, and let, uh, I'll, I'll let you go here in a second. Let G.T. know, Congresswoman, that you have now been a guest on the podcast. He was a few weeks yeah. ago. So. <laughs> oh, great. OK, yeah. He's a great. He's a great. I, well, I'm so excited to have him as chair. He's oh, yeah. terrific. Fantastic. And I, yeah. I, have to, yeah. I emphasized to him, I said, hey, I now have the largest uh, ag district in the in the Northeast, not you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's I just wanted to. I just wanted to add real quick, Jay, um, on the meat processing side, uh, Congresswoman, you know, you mentioned some of your dairies in, in your former district in your hometown transitioning, you know, and adding beef and, and cropping operations. And we're seeing that we're seeing this, you know, transition, uh, you know, small dairies potentially transitioning out as, as the owners get older. You know, milking cows just such a grind seven days a week. But they can, they can transition. They can, they can keep that farm and transition over to beef. But they need a place to, you know, they need a market. They need a place to send those animals. And and uh, and in many cases, uh, you know, being able to take advantage of that that uh, locally produced, locally grown, locally produced is something consumers are really looking for and willing to pay a little more for. So it, it becomes very profitable. It's just that processing piece is such a hole that needs to be filled. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it was, I thought it was really interesting, a good discussion. I think this is gonna be, I, it, it seemed to me because the USDA is so deficient in its staffing and its ability to streamline this process and to really, as you say, uh, talk about the the local nature that it should have. This should be a local issue. When you you know we're talking about food to table issues and sustainability and having you know locally grown uh, not just uh, vegetables and fruits and and dairy but also you know in the meat processing world and and having you know animals that are humanely treated and 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 that's that was a big concern and that I think that's going to come up. But I, it is it is hard for a lot of these uh, farmers again to. When you move on, the transition is is something that you know leasing out your your land and and I wanted to just kind of bring that to another issue that was raised and it was it had sure. to do with um, some of our our terrific land that we have here. Although it's you know it's not unlimited, uh, one of the issues that was raised uh, by a number of different groups is this tax credit for solar panel fields. 
And uh, we were kind of joking about calling it a specialty crop. But this came up again in another, I know it's just silly, but we, can, we this came up in another meeting I had um, just in Genesee, actually it was in Livingston County, uh, just uh, yesterday uh, visiting a farm where, you know, we have ideal land that is being used now. I mean, wonderful soil conditions, ideal, uh, you know, with irrigation uh, access and, you know, just terrific land that's now being turned over and getting tax credits and being taken off the grid for solar panels. And uh, we wanted to just, we were thinking of some kind of, and I'm, I'm just looking to you two, especially Ron for expertise. You know, there are places we can put solar panels where we're not wasting good farmland. And we were thinking about changing maybe the tax incentives on that to make sure that we're using our best farmland to produce our crops. Yeah, and that's, you know, and we're actually involved in a potential solar lease ourselves. And I'm really, really torn about this, Congresswoman. Uh, you know, having put a lifetime into, uh, you know, nurturing the land here and acquiring the land and improving it. And then to see something, you know, to know that, you know, possibly you'd plant your last crop on some of the best land you have uh, in your lifetime is really, really tears a person like myself apart. And it kind of leads to this whole discussion about energy policy as well. And, you know, it was interesting. Uh, last week, actually, driving back from Florida, we, we came up through central Pennsylvania, came up Route 15. Uh, you know, you're right north of Williamsport, Pennsylvania. You're right in that area of Pennsylvania that, that really prospered from fracking. And to see the small town, small rural towns and the communities there, how they have thrived since fracking came into being. New roads, new bridges, new fire halls, uh, stadium lights on the school football field. You know, just just tremendous uh, improvement in those local communities. Then you cross over into New York State, into the Southern Tier region, and what a, what a stark difference where, you know, here you had an area that would have been primed for that kind of economic development, that kind of ec economic activity that would have left the surface of the soil unscathed right it would you're still farming and uh you know and i know several people who have you know in pennsylvania in northern pennsylvania that were able to take advantage of you know getting their their gas check every month and maybe uh transitioning from dairy over to beef and you know finally were able to pay off their bills and pay off their mortgage and and it just seems it's so contradictory as to what we're trying to do here when we sit on this natural resource of of all this natural gas, and yet we're going to put solar panels on prime farmland. I just it, it blows my mind. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's just incredible our ignorance on, on on energy in this country. And and you know, I just want to also make a point on the solar panels. I know I'm not, I don't want to harm any farmer that wants to use their land, but I would rather give a farmer an incentive to have somebody or some entity lease that land to get a benefit from it so that they can use that land for soil production or for uh, yeah. crop production instead of solar panels. I'd rather see that uh, advantage given to the farmer as opposed to only incentivizing people to put up solar panels. And, and let's be honest, all the solar panels and all of the uh, windmills uh, that that we would and, and the amount of mining that we would have to go through to maintain our energy grid would probably yeah. put more destroy the earth more forced labor yeah. people you know th this is the, the naivete and the and the idea that 
somehow natural gas or even oil, propane, and all these things are going to not be necess necessities at some point. You know, we're just going to be able to go completely uh, electrification uh, without having a baseload power. And oh, and another interesting thing about New York 24, all of the nuclear power plants and the reactors in the state of New York that are left that we haven't closed are in New York 24. Oh, wow. Uh, three yeah. reactors and two sites up in in uh, uh, in uh, Oswego County and one in Wayne County, and they're all on, on the lakeshore of Ontario. And it's like that this these uh, nuclear plants are older. They're all owned by Constellation, but they, they provide some power, but we are not going to be able to have uh, affordable fertilizer. We're not going to be able to harvest our crops. We're not going to be able to operate yeah. greenhouses with electrification. These are all things right. that are impossible and really could be uh, dangerous. And this is something that's being contemplated uh, by Albany. And they've already put the bill in place and they're already you know, planning on passing this at, a, at an acceleration rate that I think is going to be devastating. And I think it's, we really need to have your voice, a lot of voices heard from the people who are providing food security, the people who are employing people, who are prospering, paying taxes, you know, making the most of our agricultural uh, businesses. I mean, this is where we need to stand up. And I just think that there's a lot, a lack of common sense on the energy issue. And I think exactly. it's going to be probably one of the most important issues that the United States faces on every level, whether it's economy, which is it's critical to economy, it's critical to bringing down inflation, and it's also critical to national security. Right. It, it, if, if I could, it, it's... Like we talked about uh, during the meeting we had here in Jefferson County with you, Congresswoman Tani, uh, if 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 we take away the ability of our food processing companies here in New York to use natural gas as an example, you're not going to be able to electrify those plants and help them operate at least right now for the next foreseeable 20, 30 years, unless somebody comes up with some crazy event invention that hasn't been thought of yet, how are those plants going to operate off of just pure electricity? They use natural gas as part of their processing, and if we take that away, it's just craziness. Now, Congresswoman Tenney, I also want to answer and, well, give you my opinion of an answer on a question you just asked, and that's, about that that solar issue and how do we help farms not plant solar panels uh, but keep the land in agriculture and the way we do that is by taking away barriers to profitability to being sustainable and we need to keep helping farms be more profitable and they will keep that land in production. One of the things we're doing here in Jefferson County, thanks to the Jefferson County Board of Legislators, they took some of the um, oh, Re American Recovery Act funds and they allocated it to us over here at Jefferson County Economic Development. And we are providing small grants directly to farms to help them purchase the, the equipment they haven't been able to afford on their own uh, to increase their food processing capabilities. And we're looking at, if, if it's approved, we're looking at also providing small grants to farms to increase their, their actual uh, crop production capabilities. That's how we do it. That is how we help agriculture sustain itself and actually grow our economy and increase 
our our food um, our our food security for the future. So those are the things that, uh, in my opinion, we need to do um, to to avoid planting solar panels or wind farms all over our best agricultural land. Anyways, I'm up on my soapbox. I apologize. This happens no, once in a while. No, this is a great, <laughs> no, it's a great discussion. And I mean, energy is going to be important and it's going to be important to, to every industry. But I don't think the people in the New York State legislature that are making these, this case, and by the way, a lot of this is coming from, they keep citing, uh, and I don't have his name, I apologize, a professor at, at Cornell University that thinks that we should go to electrification immediately, that we need to uh, gauge our methane over 20 years instead of 100 years, which is outside of the norm and, and, and what's happening on the in the rest of the country. So a lot of these policies, unfortunately, while we have you know great resource at Cornell Cooperative Extension and Cornell University for ag research, We've got, you know, we've got counter views that are that these people need to come and visit a farm. They need to talk about the fact that the planet has never been greener. Uh, and so uh, that counters some of their claims and that, you know, CO2 is actually plant food. Uh, so, it, you know, let's plant trees. Yeah. Let's let's plant yeah. crops. Let's, let's find, uh, you know, the natural resources and natural gas. And you, I know you talked about fracking, but I like to call it safe, responsible gas drilling. Uh, that is, yeah. you know, an earth, an, an, a resource on our earth that will probably go on forever uh, because it's produced by our earth. And so, uh, you know, yeah. I just look at, you know, and you when you go through the southern tier, I love going up 15, by the way, that's a really pretty way to go. Uh, but when you go through the southern tier, I, I was in the southern tier a lot. I represented Tioga County and, and uh, Broome County in my first district and Shenango County. You know, we have some of the best shale reserves in the nation and we can't touch them. Yeah. There's no, yeah. no fracking going on there. It could provide prosperity and security. And I'll tell you another thing that my staff didn't know. As we drive across the Finger Lakes, no matter where you are, you're driving across all the farms. I can't wait till uh, the, everything's harvested because it is so beautiful in the summer to see how lush and beautiful and how diverse our our, uh, our farming and agricultural uh, agriculture is with all the different crops being uh, grown, but you can't go past probably any farm that doesn't have a natural gas well on it. Right. So, yeah. you know, this is like the, the, we're, we're in, we're in contradictory times. Now we've got to face reality and deal with, with actual science. And that's what concerns me is that uh, we all want to be, uh, and, and no, no one is a better steward of our, our, our conservation and our, our land and our earth than the farmers, but we want to make sure that we're, we're common sense about this. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, this is one of the things that I know that the farmers need support on this, and, uh, and we're just trying to fight to get, that, to get that sanity and have people understand what's happening. I mean, we're, we're going to see a real disaster if some of these policies actually get enacted, and unfortunately, we have a governor who really doesn't understand the issue, number one. Uh, she's completely controlled by the far left, and she doesn't have a lot of leverage in Albany because we have a veto-proof majority by the Democrats who are led by the Democratic Socialists of America mm -hmm. who are pushing this energy policy, and uh, and they're mostly out of New York City. So we got we have issues that uh, we've got to face. And, and that, you know, I love the Farm Bureau. Years ago, when I was in the state legislature, I thought it was a good uh, program. They had Adopt a New York City Legislator Program, for upstate uh, legislators. And we got to bring New York City people up to see what it's like to be on a farm, a real farm, not a petting zoo, you know? Uh, and, yeah. uh, and I think yeah. that, that was a good program. And I think that we need to do that again. So people down there realize the impact that they're having on our, our agricultural communities with the policies they're, they're, they're enacting. 
No, it's a, real, it's a, real quick, um, real quick, Congresswoman, um, on follow up on energy policy. Uh, your district, I believe, is home to two ethanol plants, uh, one in Medina that's currently operating, and uh, then one in Oswego, or Fulton, excuse me, that is currently offline, but it's my understanding within the next year is going to go back online. And um, I wasn't sure if you were aware of that or not, oh, but, yes. um, you know, I and... The, I toured the Medina plant, and, I, and it's okay, great. run by natural gas, so... Yes. Yeah. And, and what the ramifications of having those plants here for, for, you know, being able to sell corn that's produced on the land into those plants, um, you know, it's just, uh, you know, it's huge. And uh, to get that plant in Fulton back up and running would be huge as well. Yeah, I mean, these they uh, there are a lot of ideas uh, for that. But if they cut off natural gas, uh, th that ethanol plant, I don't know where they're going to have to rely on hydropower, nuclear power. Uh, there's not yeah, going to be enough. Yeah. There's not going to be enough solar and wind to keep that plant going and and producing what they're doing. Yeah, with it. yeah, it's no, absolutely craziness out there. Well, uh, Congresswoman, uh, anything else you would like to say to our audience? We're, we're starting to run a little long, and I promised we'd, uh, we'd keep you uh, within the bounds of good taste here as far as timing goes. So I'm sure you have a busy schedule. But anything else you'd like to, to add? Yeah, what I, I just want to say again, thank you uh, to Ron and for joining me. It was really great to get meet you uh, over the podcast. And obviously, thank you to Jay and everyone who participated. But we are still taking submissions on anything that may come up on the farm uh, bill that's coming that we're still doing the considerations. We'll probably have a draft of that bill uh, in the next maybe by the end of May, June. And then we'll be debating that right through the summer into October, and hopefully we'll be able to come up with a with some kind of plan. But I would really urge anyone who's in the agricultural businesses uh, and anyone that's going to be, uh, you know, have any stake in the farm bill to please reach out to us and, and find any way that we can assist you. Uh, you can go to my my website is tenny.house.gov. So it's t-e-n-n-e-y.house.gov, G-O-V, and 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 look. Tell us what's out there. Uh, log on to my my newsletter. Uh, look for my votes. I explain every vote in the House. I'm the only member of Congress that does it in detail. Every single week after every vote, I want to decode Washington. I want our country to have uh, great, uh, knowledgeable voters who can prove that they can govern themselves. That was the big challenge Lincoln always uh, uh, stated during uh his tumultuous time as president of the United States, a great president who said, can we be self-governing? And I think that's the question today. Are we going to be overcome by authoritarians and people who have a communist view, or are we going to uphold our constitution? And, and the beauty of the farmers who came and uh, created this country, you know, by really just saying we're self-governing, we're self-reliant, and, and those things are important. So uh, please sign up and, uh, and participate. Send us your, uh, you know, what your uh, suggestions are as we go through this negotiating process on the farm bill or anything else that we can help uh, with in our office. Uh, we have offices, uh, three different offices. One is in Victor, one's in Lockport. Uh, we also have an office in Oswego and we have a satellite office in Jefferson County. So we're trying to reach everyone. Uh, my staff is really, really uh, excited and motivated about helping this district. And, and we'd love to hear from you. So I, I just appreciate uh, being on this podcast and all the work that everybody does out there. And uh, we'd like to be a resource and uh, just hope that everyone 
um, you know, reaches out to us and anything you need to decode, whether it's the state government, the federal government, I have experience on those things and uh, really would like to come up with some good policy in the end that, that can really uh, bring more prosperity and growth to our businesses. Well, Congresswoman, we really appreciate uh, the amount of outreach that you are doing. Uh, We just had your first uh, Ag Advisory Committee meeting this morning, which was fantastic. Uh, Thank you very much for uh, uh, having something like that and for giving me the opportunity to participate in that. That was very appreciated. Ron, anything from from your side? I just want to say uh, I am just uh, so pleased. Uh, Congresswoman, with your grasp of the issues and your willingness to speak out here and and be an advocate for for us, not just on the agricultural side, but you know for for us here as as uh, residents of New York State uh, and the rural communities that that make us make up all of us. So I really want to say thank you and keep up the good work. Thanks so much. Well, thank you for what you do, and thank you for your wonderful legacy business that's up, up in Jefferson County. We're we're delighted uh, with your hospitality, with your family, and uh, thanks so much. I look forward to coming on another podcast. Well, thank you very much, Congresswoman. Very appreciated, folks. That was Congresswoman Claudia Tunney here, the Congresswoman for the twenty fourth congressional district, the Lakeshore District, covering eastern and southern Lake Ontario, folks. We really appreciate you tuning into the podcast. We're going to have our our fabulous Commissioner of Agriculture here in New York State, Richard Ball, joining us. I think it's either next week or the week after. And I'm not sure which, but he will be joining us to talk about farms and their environmental stewardship efforts. So we really appreciate everybody tuning in. Have a fantastic weekend, and we'll talk to you next time right here on Jay Madison's Rural America. Thank you for tuning in to Jay Madison's Rural America. Make sure to join us weekly. If you have any questions about the show, call Jay at 315-782-5865. For more information, visit www.agricultureevents.com or jcida.com. Until next time, thanks for tuning in to Jay Madison's Rural America.